Mother's Day is, is always an interesting Sunday for me as a preacher. Because there's no, it's not like Christmas or Easter. Christmas, you, you kind of know what you're preaching about. Easter, you kind of know what you're preaching about. Mother's Day is a little different. So this morning we're going to talk about uh, uh, everyone's favorite mother in Scripture. And so uh, together I want us on three to, to say our favorite mother in Scripture, and we'll see if it's the one I agree with uh, uh, on, on three. Okay, is everybody ready? On three, we're going to say our favorite mother in Scripture. Okay, one, two, three, Rahab. Right? Well, you, 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 mean, you mean Rahab wasn't, the, the, the prostitute wasn't, wasn't the one you were thinking of? If you've got your Bibles this morning, I want to ask you to open up to the book of Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. <clears throat> What's interesting about the story of Rahab is this story is uncharacteristically out of place. If you read through the story of Joshua, which is a fantastic story of, of salvation and providence and grace and mercy that's been given to us through Christ, the story of Rahab is stuck right in the middle of whenever God shows up and tells Joshua, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you, uh, go and take the land, every place where the, the sole of your foot is trod, I've given to your hand, and then in chapter 3, Joshua begins to to mount up his army and and go and take the land and then right in the middle you've got the story of Rahab Joshua chapter 2 verse 1 then Joshua the son of Nun sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim saying go view the land especially Jericho so they went and came into the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab and they lodged there and it was told of the king of Jericho saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it came about that when it was time to shut the gate at dark, that the men went out, and I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up on the roof. And hidden them in stalks of flax, which she had laid upon, laid in order on her roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror of you has fallen upon us, that all of the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what things you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan of Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore, please Swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. Spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, Our life for yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, it shall come to be when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. 
Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. And she said to them, Go to the hill country, lest, they, lest the pursuers happen upon you. Hide yourself there for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterward you may go on your way. And the men said to her, We shall be free from this oath to you. We shall be free from this oath to you, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, this, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down. And gather to yourself into the household of your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house and into the streets, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in this house, his blood shall be upon our heads, if a hand is laid upon him. If you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from the oath which you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. So she sent them away, and they departed. She tied the scarlet cord in the window, and they departed and came to the hill country, remained there for three days until the pursuers returned. Now the pursuers had sought them all along the road, but had not found them. Then the two men returned and came down from the hill country and crossed over and came to the Joshua, son of Nun, and they related to him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Surely the Lord has given all of this land into our hands. All the inhabitants of the land, moreover, have melted away before us. God, as we see this beautiful picture of providence, grace, mercy, deliverance, Lord, may we see the blessings. May we see the providence of God. May we see the character of a godly woman. May we see the faith of Rahab. Or may we make application to our own lives. Lord, may you touch us, may you speak to our hearts here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I told you that, that the story of Rahab seems out of place, and, and, and I want to illustrate that to you. If you go to Joshua chapter 1, if you look at the end of Joshua chapter 1, and you look at the beginning of Joshua chapter 3, you'll see that that, that flows very seamlessly together. If you look at Joshua chapter 1, uh, verses 17 and 18 it says just as we obeyed Moses and all the things so we will obey you only may the Lord may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words and all that you command them shall he be put to death only be strong and courageous you look at verse 3 then Joshua rose early in the morning and he and all of the house of Israel all the sons of Israel sent out from Shittim and they came to the Jordan and they lodged there before they crossed that seems very seamless it seems that, that, that Joshua chapter 1 ends, the Lord has given you this land, he has, he has given you strength, he has given you courage, he, he aligns the, the, the sons of Israel behind Joshua to follow him, uh, that, that, that he would now be their leader, and then the next morning they rose early, and they went on their way, and they camped right before the Jordan River, uh, uh, they, I'm sorry, they crossed the, yeah, they camped right before the Jordan River, uh, and they are getting ready to enter into the land. But then... The story of Rahab. It's stuck right there in the middle. And the only purpose of the story of Rahab is to demonstrate the salvation of God that is poured out, is to demonstrate the loving kindness of the Lord. It is completely within the character of our God to show grace and mercy in the midst of judgment. Jericho was smack dab right in the middle of, of the Canaanite camp. It was right in the middle of the promised land. And as, 
as Israel would cross over the Jordan River and they would enter into the land that God had promised them, the very first city that they would come to, the very first city that would succumb to the judgment of God that had been promised six generations prior, because God said, uh, if you go back and you read the covenant that God made before Moses, he said that in six generations from now, you will return to this land and I will give this land to you and I will deliver all of its inhabitants. I will dispossess it from the land. This is your land. And so God had promised judgment. He had promised that he is going to exercise justice and judgment on the inhabitants of Canaan. And so six generations later, Joshua shows up. Joshua shows up and Jericho is going to be the first city that succumbs to the justice and judgment of God. Yet right before the judgment of God falls, what do we see? We see a beautiful picture of loving kindness, grace compassion right in the midst of the justice of God Exodus chapter 34 Exodus chapter 34 tells us of this character of our God Exodus chapter 34 verse 6 it says then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. And listen to how he describes himself. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps his loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity and transgressions and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. God spends countless times throughout Scripture demonstrating and describing himself as a God who is, who is kind and compassionate and gracious toward those who love him. It's interesting, too, that the spies show up, and they show up to a prostitute's house. Now, it, it, it's, the scripture doesn't really give us a whole lot of insight into, into who was Rahab, and so we have to use some, some contextual clues to figure this out. The city of Jericho was much like many of the ancient cities in that time. Uh, you would have an, an inner city or an inner compound where all of the affluent people would live, where all of the, the powerful people would live, uh, where, where the, the politicians, the, uh, the, the important people, the people with means would live. And then there would be an, an, an outer area of the city, which would be surrounded by a, a large wall uh, that would protect the city. The inner part would be surrounded by a wall as well, uh, but it would be uh, much, more much more in the lines of, of a wall, a lot like you and I are thinking today. The outer wall would be much different. The outer wall would uh, be somewhere between 12, 15, sometimes even 20 foot thick, uh, usually made of, of concrete, clay, rocks. Uh, and its purpose was to, was to separate and protect the city from the first siege or the first, the first line of battle. And in this outer wall, in this outer wall, the scripture tells us, is where Rahab lived. And oftentimes, that was the place where, where pilgrims who were coming in and out of the city, where, where they would come, they would find refuge. Uh, they would oftentimes, uh, that's where they would get a bite to eat. They'd probably been traveling for many days. Uh, it was also a place for, uh, for many of the, the poor peasants in the, in the city where they would go and they would, uh, there would be commerce, there would be trade that would go on. I've got a picture up here uh, that, that kind of gives you an idea of what that type of home would have looked like in that day. It, it would have been a, a large wall 
and hollowed out or, or inside this wall would have been the place where the spies would have lodged. Uh, essentially what it was, was a tavern that would have had rooms above it for pilgrims to lodge. And Rahab, her, Rahab herself was probably the one who ran this tavern. And the scripture tells us that, that she was by trade a, a harlot. And we don't necessarily understand that in this day because uh, that's not necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily something that, uh, that you support your family with. Uh, you don't, you don't uh, think of that as an occupation uh, by which you could raise a family. The, the, the connotation in the, in the text is that she wasn't necessarily a prostitute by trade, but rather that she ran this tavern and oftentimes would, would uh, comfort the travelers there uh, by, uh, by some uh, not, so, uh, not so pious means. Uh, and so Rahab, Rahab would, would oftentimes sell herself uh, to the patrons of her tavern. But let us never be too quick to condemn someone because of external actions or external appearances. Let me remind you of two different characters in the New Testament. There was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds to this this God-fearing, commandment-obeying young man and says to him, go follow the commandments. Go follow the law. And he says, oh, I've already done that. Done that since I was a child. Jesus said, but one thing you lack, go sell your possessions, give it to the poor and follow me. The man hung his head because he had much possession. See, Jesus reminded him, he responded to this man who would appear to be godly, pious, holy, and he said, you have failed to obey the very first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so contrast Jesus' response to this rich young ruler as Jesus opposes the proud. But when the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, when the woman caught in the very act of adultery is brought before Jesus, and they're ready to stone her. Jesus responds in John chapter 8. He responds, straightening up, Jesus said to her, He said, Woman, where are they that condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. Jesus then said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from this point on and sin no more. We see two very, very contrasting confrontations of Christ. One, Jesus opposes the proud, this, this pious, rich, young ruler who is by all accounts holy and righteous, obedient to the law, a man who is upright by the world's standard, and Jesus opposes the proud. But this woman caught in the very act of adultery, deserving of death, Jesus responds with grace and mercy. So let us go back to Rahab the harlot. I believe that Rahab the harlot has character and the heart of a godly mother who desires the best for her family. I want us to notice a couple of things. 
If you look, as soon as these spies from Israel come, Rahab has the prudence and the wisdom and the discernment to take care of these men. I believe that Rahab was wise. She knew that Jericho and, and all of its heyday, that, that Jericho was, was the, the, the power and the might and the, the fortification and the, the political power and the military might of Jericho, that, that it was declining. She knew that, that she had to secure a future for her family. And she saw these spies as an opportunity for her to do that. I believe that she was not only wise, but I believe that she was brave. She is willing to risk her own life to save her family. We must understand that in those days to lie to the king or to the king's servants or to the king's messengers was akin to treason. And the consequence of treason, the judgment of treason was not that that you just had to pay an extra fine or, or you, you, were, you weren't, weren't given as, as much rations or you had to double your taxes the next week. No, the, the, the consequence and the judgment for treason was death. And oftentimes death not only for yourself, but death for your entire family. But Rahab risked her own lives to save that of her family, for the safety of her family. Not only is she wise discerning resort brave but she is also resourceful she takes them up on top of the roof and she hides them in 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 stacks of of flax and and for you and i that we have no idea what what that is but what it is is it's basically long pieces of grass uh that 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 would look like hay to you and i uh but they would use it to flatch uh, or or to thatch their roofs uh and so it, it would have been it would have been, and uh, uh, they were drying. She would have been drying that up on the roof to provide uh, to provide cover and shelter during the wet season. And so she hides these spies under the flax. She's very resourceful. But I think more than anything, look at verse eleven and verse twelve. Rahab is a woman of great faith and great humility. Look at verse 11. It says, When we heard, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. And this is her statement, verse 11. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven, above and on earth beneath. She makes a statement. Now this is a pagan woman who's been raised in in, in the pagan culture to worship many gods to worship foreign gods to worship little g gods and she makes the statement hearing of the hearing of the power of god hearing of the works of joshua and all of the israelite army she makes this statement the lord your god he is capital g god he is the god that is the god of all of heaven and all of earth rahab makes a statement of tremendous and i believe that's why she was willing to risk her family to risk her life because she believed that this god this god of israel whom whom the only thing she had heard was that he dries up the 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 red sea and the israelite army crosses over and the egyptian army is 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 destroyed she hears of the story of the manna by day she hears of the story of the cloud by day and the fire by night she hears the story of the quail she hears the story of of god 
giving Israelite the, the, the land in the Transjordan region. She hears and hearing and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The scripture tells us that she made this statement of great faith. And this statement of great faith follows with a statement of great humility. Look at verse 12. Now, therefore, and anytime we see the word therefore in the Bible, we should what? We should ask, why is it therefore? And so we see therefore, well, because what I've just said, the Lord is the Lord of all heaven and all earth. Therefore, look at verse 12. Therefore, swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. What does she do? She doesn't demand. She doesn't speak of entitlement. She begs for mercy and compassion and grace. Does she deserve it? No. Is she under the, the same sentence of judgment of all of the other Canaanites whom, whom the Israelite army is going to enter into and dispossess and destroy? Absolutely. But what does she do? She realizes that she is under the same sentence and that God is just when he judges and that, that, that when he judges that she is deserving of, of, of the judgment of God. And so what does she do? She begs for mercy. That's the only proper place for a subject before his king is to beg for mercy you know it's interesting i believe that 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 we rarely come to this place of begging for mercy because we have a a very distorted view of of who god is and who we are i was uh talking to a friend of mine who was sharing this story with me and so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell it like from a first-person standpoint, even though it's not first-person standpoint, just because it, it tells better that way, so you'll just have to, 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 uh, to bear with me. <clears throat> he says, I was in, um, in a Middle Eastern country and was talking with a, with a Muslim cab driver and, and uh, talking to him about the, the consequences of, of, of sin and, and uh, before a holy God, and, and he said, I, I, just, I just don't understand the, the, the consequences of of, of your God sending people to hell and all this kind of stuff. And so the, the man asked the cab driver, he said, he said, well, that's because you don't understand the character of our God. He said, what, what would happen if I, if I slapped you in the face right now? If I just, just, just slapped you in the face? He'd say, well, I'd throw you out of my cab, and I'd say, you've got to get your own ride. He said, what happens if, if, if I walked up to the, to the police officer? And I slapped the police officer right in the face. He said, well, he'd beat you up and throw you in jail. He said, what happened if I walked up to the king of your country and slapped the king of your country right across the face? What would happen to me? He'd say, he'd kill you. You'd die. And he said, see, what you don't understand is that it is not the action, but to whom the action is against. That, that causes the greatest offense. The action hasn't changed. You slap the cab driver, you slap the policeman, you slap the king. But the difference was, when you slap the king, there's greater punishment. See, when we have a faulty view of who God is, then we have a, a, a false sense of reality of what our sin is. 
Any sin, any, any, any offense against the King of Kings, the Holy of Holies, the righteous God of all of the universe is the greatest offense that we could possibly offend. And yet we think, oh, well, it's just a lie. Eh, it's just a wicked thought. Eh, it's no big deal. But we don't understand. It's not the action, but it's whom the action offends. It's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Rahab understood that the God of Israel was the God of all, of all of the universe and that she understood that she was a sinner and that she was wicked before a holy God. See, it's important for us to note that, that Rahab gets it. That's why she begs for mercy. That's why she throws herself at the feet of these spies. And who are these spies? They were just at her mercy as as they were hid on top of her roof but she comes back and she says please have mercy upon me because i know you serve the god of all of the universe you serve the god who created the heavens and the earth that the god that you serve he and he alone is god so oftentimes in our hedonistic society the god that we serve it's the God of ourselves. We elevate our desires, our wants, our needs above all. It's important for us to note that Rahab is saved by grace. Even the goodness of hiding the spies, even her compassion toward the spies of Israel does not warrant her salvation. She is still a sinner deserving of judgment, but she is saved by grace. Rahab is a picture of the gospel. The judgment of God is coming. The scripture tells us in Romans chapter 3 that the wages of sin, that's some, sorry, that's Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 3 tells us that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and and we all know this verse. But don't stop there. Memorize the next verse as well. Because that's the good news. The bad news is that we are all sinners. And that, that we all fall short of the glory of God. But the next verse is therefore. Why is it therefore? Because we are all sinners. Therefore God gave them over. I'm sorry that's chapter 2. There, verse, verse 23. For God, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. We are all sinners, but the gift of God is grace through the redemption which is in Jesus Christ. Rahab was deserving of judgment. She was deserving of justice. But the picture of the gospel is this, that the judgment of God is coming. Roman, uh, Hebrews chapter 9 tells us that it is appointed for a man to die once and face the judgment. That, that's, that's the reality of Scripture. You know, they, there was a study recently done, and right now uh, there is a death rate of 100%. Everybody who lives dies. And the reality is, is that when we die, we will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we will stand before Him as guilty. 
Rahab stood before those spies deserving of judgment. It's a picture of the gospel. The judgment of God is coming. And that scarlet thread was all that would save her. What was it about that scarlet thread? It was the providence of God. It was nothing she did, nothing she she deserved, but it was the grace of God. And that scarlet thread is a beautiful picture of the blood of the Lamb. That blood that would be shed on our behalf. That while we are deserving of death, while we stand condemned, John chapter 3 verse 16 is one of the most popular verses in all of scripture for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life but if you keep reading john chapter 3 verse 18 says those who believe in the son have life but those who do not believe are condemned already if you go down to verse 36 it says that that those who believe in the son have life but that those who do not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon them. See, we want to stop in verse 16, and we fail to read the whole counsel of God's Word. See, God is a gracious God, but He is also a just God. But the beautiful picture of the Gospel is that His justice was satisfied on the cross of Christ. And if we'll place our faith and trust in Jesus, in that scarlet thread, that blood that was shed on the cross, that we too might share the same grace that Rahab shared. What's interesting about Rahab is Rahab was a harlot. Rahab was a sinner. Rahab was a Gentile. Rahab was a pagan. Rahab, saved by grace, Rahab became Jesus' great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. Rahab became the first Gentile in the lineage of Christ, a prostitute, deserving of judgment, deserving of wrath, deserving of justice, but receiving grace, mercy, compassion. This morning, you're here And you too are deserving of judgment, wrath, justice. But God has poured out upon you grace and mercy. May today, may today be the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the beautiful picture of the gospel. That while we are deserving of death, while we are deserving of wrath and judgment, that you sent Jesus to pay the penalty for us. Lord, may we see your grace through this beautiful picture of the gospel. Lord, may we see the character, characteristics of, of grace compassion sacrifice in Rahab the harlot but more than that may we see Jesus Lord if there's someone here this morning who needs to trust Jesus for their salvation may they come today if there's someone here this morning who simply needs to 
take someone with them to the altar to pray. Maybe you need to to become a part of what God's doing here at Redeemer. Lord, may today be the day of decision. Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.